Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that, time jerks. Welcome to fourth and one. I'm Todd Palmer. We're joined by Nick Jacobs. And uh, we've got an AFC West divisional game on tap here with the, the Chargers coming uh, to Arrowhead Stadium on Sunday. Um, you know, look, I know that the Raiders and the Broncos are technically tied, you know, in first place above these two teams, but the, the division still runs through Kansas city and, and the chargers are still the, the number one threat to that crown, right? Or has anything that Denver and or Las Vegas has shown you these first couple of weeks, uh, led you to believe that maybe the chargers aren't the, the second best team in the division. I'm curious to see what the Raiders are going to do here in the coming weeks ahead. Cause they, they actually have, they actually have a really tough uh, schedule for the first five games or they, they did. Um, Tua getting hurt didn't help them for this week, but then they still got the chargers. And I mean, they got the, the bears actually have a really good bears have a pretty good defense. So um, it'll be interesting to see overall what ends up transpiring there. But I mean, look, the Raiders, they took on two tough opponents in the Ravens and were able to beat them at home. And then they took, you know, and then they took on the Steelers and they were able to outlast them. So, I mean, they've shown some physicality and they've shown some ability. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not discounting the Raiders yet, but I am curious to see where they're at by week six to eight because they fell apart not too long after they won the Chiefs game. They, they started to fall apart and that kind of seems to be the Raiders thing. They'll start out strong, but they just seem to start having issues by week eight normally. Every year since John Gruden has gotten there, um, they've improved. They went from four and 12 to seven and nine to eight and eight, I think. So, um, you know, I mean, it, it's understandable why, you know, I mean, they've been building some momentum and, and I think this is the year that they're expecting it to pay off, but I still think no disrespect to, to Derek Carr and, and the strong start he's off to. I still think Justin Herbert's probably the second best quarterback in the division and this is yes. a quarterback driven league. So I still think the chargers are the second best team, which makes this a really important game, you know, because, um, you know, They'll meet again, yes, but that one's going to be in Los Angeles. Um, and there, there will be there. Well, there may be a crowd there. Who knows? It may not be a partisan Chargers crowd, given what we've seen in LA. But, but it's a, it's a tougher game, I think, when you go on the road. So, I mean, you don't want to overstate it. It's still one of seventeen, but especially coming off the loss and the way they played, how important is it for the Chiefs to kind of get right this week and get back on track? Yeah, this is a big week because you got a lot of people in the fan base doubting you right now. You know, a lot of media members question you. You're going to have a lot of national media questioning you. And if you've got the Super Bowl hangover, it's still for real. All those questions that they're going to keep getting. Why did you uh, use players at certain times? And why did uh, more athletic players get less snaps? You know, uh, things of that nature are going to come up a lot. And the run defense is going to come up a ton. So the only way you uh, answer those questions is by making your statements on the field and shutting down the Chargers run game and shutting down their overall team on both offense and defense and putting together a very dominant uh, physical performance. So that's what the defense is going to have to do. Offense is going to have to do the same. And they're going to have to show that what happened in Baltimore was a fluke and that it was the reality check that they needed and that they are going to go out there and they're going to deliver some messages to the Chargers, to the AFC West and to the rest of the NFL. Yeah. And I look, I think this is a good week to do it. Um, you know, this is a, a Chargers team that um, beat what I think is is a 
is a decent Washington team. They certainly are like the bears have a very good defense, I think. Um, and you know, and then they lost to the Cowboys in another close game. Um, but you know, they've played, they played some, they played some tight games. Um, I don't think the chargers are, are a team that has a lot of room for air, but before we get into the specifics of that, I do want to, you mentioned the run defense. Um, and I do want to kind of get into the final takeaways from chiefs Ravens because look, the chiefs, they usually give up 200 yards rushing or more when they play the Ravens. A lot of teams in the NFL do, um, you know, but how deep do these issues go or is it as simple as, you know, you've got a lot of new guys in positions, whether it's, you know, Chris Jones moving out to defensive end where his eye discipline and, you know, and, and the things that he has to read, the things that he has to key on, the things that he has to be aware of, especially against a, an option attack like the one that we saw from the Ravens is just it's dramatically different than than what he ha- was used to doing at defensive tackle. Is it as simple as they're fixable scheme things or have you seen evidence, you know, watching that uh, the film that there's a deeper issue at play here? Looking looking at the Ravens uh, tape, <clears throat> what they did to stress the Chiefs, normally twofold, they had the they either had the run or they had, you know, uh, Jackson keep it with the speed. So they'd stress the defense on both sides. But what they did a lot more of is they started pulling a guard or pulling a tackle or pulling a fullback or trying to do a, pull a fullback and a guard just depended. Um and they added that extra window dressing in there to try to get the linebackers to either hesitate or flow a certain way and try to slow down their reads so their offensive line could get to the second level. So they were what the Ravens are trying to attack is they wanted to attack the athletic ability of the Chiefs defensive ends, force them to hesitate so Jackson could run by them and they would be out of position or they wouldn't be in position to be able to force them back inside. Or they wanted to get them to widen out enough to where the running back or Jackson could cut underneath them. So they use the guard at times to help get the linebacker to go too far sometimes. So with those keys that it looked like the defense was reading at times, it just, it seemed like they, they stretched themselves very thin and they didn't have enough athletes at linebacker or DN on the edge to be able to stop that or to be able to shut that down. So because of that, the Ravens were able to run at the level they were and able to constantly hit the alley over and over and over again off tackle there to where they they could they did a lot of damage against the Chiefs. And in all honesty, whenever Lamar passed, he was he was terrible. Like there were the the math the second Matthew interception that he had, that one was wide left of Brown. Like it wasn't even close when you watch it on coach from in the game, you're like, oh, okay. But when you watch it, you're like, oh my goodness, that wasn't even within the vicinity. <laughs> like, like Marquise Brown's gonna have the catch radius of Stretch Armstrong to be able to get that one, and he didn't. Um, so it it's it's unfortunate what ended up happening with the Chiefs and that they got that they had those struggles, but the Ravens took full advantage of it. The Browns the week before did a lot of smart scheming with the way they motioned their fullbacks and their and their guards and their tackles on some of their poles and the doubles that they used and just how efficient they were in some of their man blocking the way that they went about it. So I, I was really, Bill Callahan was a genius. Um, Greg Roman, John Harbaugh and all of them did a really good job against the chiefs this week. Now they're facing a chargers team that has a really bad right side of their offensive line. It's not very good and it's really struggling right now. And their offense, the chargers offense isn't as efficient as it was the year before. Mm-hmm. But man, I tell you what, that Chargers defense, um, 
Well, we'll get into it in a little bit. That'll be a little teaser. Or that's our key word today. Teaser. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I like like the in in hindsight, it's maybe not surprising that some of that the Chiefs had some of the issues because you've got a new player at defensive end. You've got a diminished player at the other defensive end and, you know, Chris Jones and Frank Clark, Frank Clark, respectively, your, your best defensive tackle, you're breaking in. He's new to the system and Jaron Reed. Um, you've got, you're without Willie Gay. So you're relying on a rookie, Nick Bolton. And this is not a scheme that he's going to be used to. This is not a scheme that they probably spent a lot of time working on in the off season. This is an unusual scheme for him. You, you know, because Gay's out, you're also relying a lot on, on uh, on Ben Neiman, who at, we know football IQ wise is fine. Athletically, sometimes, you know, lacks a little bit. And Sp- Steve Spagnuolo said something interesting when explaining why Juan Thornhill wasn't on the field as much and why Daniel Sorensen was on the field so much more. And it was basically that the Ravens dictated that by not moving, by, by keeping the Chiefs in their base defense. And so... You know, he basically said, look, unless we were going to make a position change and elevate Juan Thornhill over Daniel Sorensen, what we were seeing from the Ravens in that situation, you know, dictated that we weren't in the sub packages that Juan Thornhill was in. So it it had less to do with uh, I, I think it had less to do with what the Chiefs hoped to get out of Juan Thornhill in this game uh, and, and and a lot more to do with. um to do with what the Ravens were doing. And also look, because the chiefs were so ineffective on first and second down, they didn't, the Ravens didn't get forced to go into those packages where you would have seen Juan Thornhill more. So I think you'll see a more by default um, in the chargers game and against other teams that just frankly, aren't as effective against the run or with the run. I'll, I mean, I'll be curious to see if the, if that ends up being the case, because that is going to be put away in my vault for when the time comes down the road here. That if they are facing a uh, uh, a much more pass heavy team, and he's still sitting on the sidelines while Daniel Sorensen's still out of position half the time, then I'm going to be like, well, but he said this. This is so right. confusing. So that's fine. That's fine. He can say it right now. We'll see the proofs in the pudding in the pudding on that. But then also, I thought Todd Lebo asked a good question for eight ten when he's asking about Daniel Sorensen and the amount of missed tackles that he had, and and uh, it's very interesting what Spagnuolo said basically about how. Sorensen's a physical physical tackler. He said something along those lines that I found found very very intriguing, and I'm like, well, he still missed uh, nine tackles, but okay. But uh, he basically you, said he, that he, needs he to physically keep... missed a lot of like I mean he you know he had a physicality well, they, in missing those tackles. I mean the explanation was that Daniel Sorensen needs to come under control and that he doesn't miss tackles because he's going too soft, but he also said. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Daniel Sorensen started last year the same way and was missing a lot of tackles. So, to me, what I think that is with Dan is is just a little bit coming under control. The one thing we love about Dan is he's not going to miss a tackle being soft. That's not a that, that's not a bad thing, you know. And I think once he gets himself, I believe I'd have to go back, but I'm almost certain the same thing happened to Dan last year. No preseason games. We came out for the first two games. We I remember we didn't, the missed tackles were there last year too. And Dan became, you know, really one of our consistent, most aggressive tacklers. So um, we're not ready to panic on that right now. And I know he's not either. I, I, think, I think there's some awareness there. But you're right. I mean, I think 
it'll be interesting to see when when a, a a game dictates like like say the Cowboys or something like that when you know with the way they throw the ball all over the field whether you know whether whether Sorensen's still in there uh, or whether Sorensen sees a little bit more even snaps um, compared with uh, now, compared with Juan Thornhill in games like that. Here's my reality: Daniel Sorensen at this stage in his career, in my book, is a linebacker. That's that's my opinion. He's the linebacker. And that's what he is. And and so I mean, I'm I'm of the opinion that if you want to, if you need to uh, depending on what happens with Willie Gay, if you need to, I mean, I I, I wouldn't be against Daniel Sorensen being a weak side linebacker. I think him being able to attack downhill and do that, I think that's a lot smarter for the scheme and what they need speed wise than what they're kind of doing right now. So I mean, because the bigger thing of it is, let's be honest, Hitchens had one of the worst games I've ever seen him have whenever I watched the coaches film. Ben Neiman had an awful game. His lack of athletic ability got extremely exposed. Like those two had really bad games. And the Chiefs defensive line didn't exactly crush it either. I mean, Frank Clark set the edge a couple times, but for the most part, the lack of athletic ability on the defensive line, their lack of ability to control the line of scrimmage, and then what the linebackers were struggling at athletically. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Nick Bolton, in some regards, he's an insanely more athletic version of Reggie Ragland, but he's a downhill linebacker that's going to come and blow runs up. But in pass coverage, I mean, if he has to go run out towards the side, uh, if he has to go run out to the sticks, I mean, that that lack of athletic ability to be able to quarter turn and sprint, that that shows. Like, that's just the reality of it. And Hitchens, oh, boy, that was, that, was, that, was, uh, that was not a good game. It was not good reads. It was not good fills. He, uh, he, had, he had a, a very, very tough day. And, and Ben Neiman reminds me a lot of somebody like myself who has OCD at times, and he's going to get to that spot. Even if Jackson, he's supposed to drop 10 yards of this spot. He's dropping 10 yards of this spot, even if Jackson's coming up on that run. So it, uh, look, it, it was unfortunate and, and we'll see what the chiefs defense does here in the weeks ahead. And, um, cause I, I do, I remember 2019 when you and I are doing this podcast and like, we were talking and I'm like, and you're like, Nick, can you going to get it fixed this week? I was like, no, <laughs> in eight weeks. I don't know how it's going to be any different. Then they showed up against the Broncos and turned it around and won a Super Bowl. So, yeah, and I was going to say that two things. One, Nick Bolton is in his defense is probably playing out of position. He, he, he probably will move to middle linebacker somewhere down the road. Yeah, sure. Um, so, so yeah, so he, he's, he's playing a little bit out of position but I think the coaches know that. And I think for now it just, it is what it is when it comes to the pass coverage um, because they're asking, you know, they're asking him to play left-handed in some respects. Uh, So it's a little bit unfair, but that's just the way it is with Willie Gay jr. Injured right now. Um, When it comes to the other thing, 2019 is actually a a good comparison because if you remember that's, you know, Spagnolo comes in, the run defense was terrible that season too. They gave up 180 yards or more in five of their first 10 games up to the, the loss at the Tennessee Titans when Patrick Mahomes came back and, uh, you know, and the Titans had that big rally and, uh, and ended up stunning them 35-32. But they didn't give up more than 122 yards the last nine games that year, um, except in the Super Bowl to the San Francisco 49ers. So there's precedent that they can get it fixed, but you're also talking about a diminished, uh, you know, a diminished Frank Clark and, you know, some obviously some changes in personnel. So whether they can do that again remains to be seen. 
but but history says that Steve Spagnuolo has been able to adjust, has been able to figure things out, and has been able to get the get things shored up over time. We'll see if he can do it again. Now, my my long term frustration here, if I don't see it, is I think that front seven is built to attack. I believe it's right. built to shoot gaps and get up field and just cause mayhem like that. That's what I think that front seven's for. So the re and reacting that they did against Baltimore was the exact opposite of what I think they're capable of doing with the personnel that they have. Now, am I saying they're going to be dominant and everything? No, I'm not saying they're going to be dominant. You need much better athletes to be dominant than what they are right now. But to be able to be an average defense and be sufficient, like I, I think they're capable of that if they're willing to attack and put more pressure. And let's not mistake it. Like there's a lot of hand wringing over a one point loss on the road to a team that's been in the playoffs led by a quarterback. Who's been the MVP of the NFL just two years ago. I mean, if the chiefs play a little bit more aggressive and get one more stop in that game, we're having a totally different conversation today. So I don't understand the mentality that the world is following because you're still one Clyde Edwards Hilaire fumble maybe one ill, you know, like, like unfortunate Patrick Mahomes throw, like if they punt there, who knows what happens. You're, you're one, literally one play away from winning that game being two and oh, and, and everything's rosy. So what I want to see is what Tyron Matthew hinted at after the game. Sometimes you just need to get your butt kicked. And, and, and that's what happened to this defense. Will they respond? Let's see it against the chargers. And I think they can. I mean, I mean, look, I, I think Justin Herbert's the second best quarterback in this league or in this in this AFC West division, not the league, not the league, but the division. He's thrown two touchdowns and three interceptions this season. Let's not pretend like he's a complete product and he's an unbeatable juggernaut of a quarterback out there. I never did, Todd. I never did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Todd. So what, what do you see from this? Let's start with the Chargers offense because – Less. There's a lot of people that are like, they're like, oh, like, you know, is Austin Eckler going to run for, you know, 3,000? Look, they're averaging Todd's 92 been in my yards. mentions again. <laughs> <laughs> they're averaging 92 yards a game on the ground. I will bet whatever you want that Austin Eckler doesn't run for 175 yards in this game. That's not what the Chargers are going to do. Anything Keenan I Allen, want, huh? <laughs> Anything I want, I can bet. Huh? <laughs> yeah, there you go. But I'm telling you, yeah, the cracked chicken chili recipe. <laughs> <laughs> you read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but every time the Chiefs play the Chargers, the one guy that I fear the most is Keenan Allen because I just like I think he he is he is a high end elite guy that they use in a lot of different ways, um, and I think he's the kind of guy who can just chew up and spit out a lot of defenses, but the Chiefs especially uh, over with their coverage issues over the middle. Um, so I'll be interested to see how they handle him. Um, you know, and just who else? I mean, Mike Williams having a good game. Austin Eckler's pretty good. I like what I've seen from Larry Roundtree. He runs with, uh, um, you know, he's kind of the hammer, um, you know, to, to Austin Eckler's nail a little bit. So what do you see from this group and, uh, you know, and what, uh, what challenges do you think they present in, in, in ways that are going to be completely different from the challenges the defense has faced the first two weeks? With, with the Chargers, like I said earlier, the, the right guard, right tackle combination on their lines struggling right now, and the Chiefs could get healthy in some of their pass rush and their blitzes off of that side. So, like, there's there's an opportunity. If they, if they show a look on that side and then the Chargers have to, you know, do slide protection right 
and then they sneak a delayed blitz off that left, they could get Herbert a couple of times without a problem, depending on where the back is aligned and where the back has to go based on the protection. So there's an opportunity for the Chiefs to get physical, especially if they keep Chris Jones over there on that side. Like this is one of those weeks where Chris Jones could feast, you know, at defensive end and have himself a day by himself without a problem. So that's why I'm, I'm curious to watch that matchup. I mean, long-term in the grand scheme of things, I would have preferred to see Chris Jones at a three-tech spot, just getting up field against the Ravens and just blowing up what they were doing. That actually would have been better last week. And I hope that's something that the Chiefs play them in the playoffs. One, make it to playoffs, but two, get in the playoffs and play them again. That that's something they alter and adjust because Chris Jones could have wreaked havoc if he could just shot up field. Like, he, he would have blown up so many of those runs oh, yeah. and so many of those things they were doing. But besides that point, um, getting back to the Chargers, yeah, Keenan Allen, look, I mean, the dude's still a rock star. Like, he's still a a fantastic receiver. And Herbert, it's weird because Herbert still, the way he he runs around and the way he throws sometimes, he still thinks like he's he's Patrick Mahomes, but he doesn't have the same arm and the same zip on the ball, but he thinks like he is, like he – he kind of confuses himself for Patrick Mahomes sometimes. And I'm like, dude, you ain't him. Like that throw you just made, that's going to be picked against the faster secondary. But he's tried that stuff at times. Like his safety blanket, though, is Jared Cook. Like Jared Cook, man, I'm like, that dude tore it up those first two weeks because anytime he needed to play, he went to Jared Cook or Keenan Allen or hoped that Eckler could get open in the flats or that Eckler could be able to run and give him favorable down a distance. Guyton had a handful of plays, like kind of yeah. helped and a good run blocker. Or you know, a blocker and pass and run to where he could help give them the edge to get the first or convert. Um, yeah, Mike Williams is just kind of more, I'm going to throw up the 50-50 ball, and I hope you can come down with it. But I really think what the Chiefs defense needs to do with that part of their, their passing offense, get physical, press them, get physical with them, disrupt that timing. That's going to disrupt Herbert some and give that pass rush more time to be able to get to him and kind of rattle him a little bit, especially early on. If they can do that early on and kind of rattle him, like that's really the bigger key overall. Now, in terms of Eckler, you got to make him hop. Now, the reason I'm saying that is because whenever he is running, that dude's at full speed in four yards. Like, I mean, that dude is insanely lightning quick. Once he gets the ball in his hand four yards, he's already at full speed and hitting the hole. So... If you can make him hesitate to where he has to stop or he has to hop, then he becomes really, really ineffective. And if you can stretch him out to the sidelines, he also sometimes becomes rather ineffective. But for the most part, like just get him to hop. That I consider that a win every time if you can get him to hop instead of already being at full speed. I think you know, you mentioned earlier, like uh, you know, bring it, you know creating some overloads uh, or some slides in the protection and bring a delay blitz off. I really think that some of those zone blitzes forcing Austin Eckler to pass protect in those situations, um, you know, and, and beating him up or or maybe, you know, uh, or or maybe getting him to make it, you know, whiff on a block and and get some of those sacks is is another, that's another weapon that the chiefs have that, that that can be effective because in those situations, you know, if you can get him overloaded on that side and force Austin Eckler to stay in, you take away one of his safety blankets. But I think you also gain an advantage, whether it's Sorensen or Legarius Sneed coming off those blitzes with, you know, with hopefully Chris Jones having a monster day off the opposite side. And I, I think you're right. That that creates a lot of problems. Um, on the other side, though, um, man, that defense, like, I mean, they're, 
when I watched him on film, I, I didn't like, there weren't like specific guys that I was like, oh man, this guy's just every play. He's ridiculous. You know, and, and, but they're just all so disciplined. They all seem to be so good at what they do. Um, and it's different guys making plays, you know, consistently. And, and it, it just seems like no matter who you choose to double or who you choose to slide protection to, they've got enough guys that can win one-on-one matchups that, that they make, they make it look like you made the wrong decision every time. Like how impressed with you are just with the collective guys that they have on that defense right now. Honestly, I was actually a little underwhelmed watching them compared to what I'd saw last year with just Bradley, like, and how disciplined they were last year in that scheme. I, I was really, I was like, man, is this the same defense? Like it's got a lot of the same players, but it's just not, doesn't, doesn't look as, as good as it did last year. Like, I really thought they're going to take a whole new step, you know, like, Hey, you got a new scheme, new coordinator, like, you know, let's see what they got here. But it just, just when I watched them, I was just like, boy, I was like, this doesn't, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Cause like the, the biggest weakness that they give up, and honestly, they, they got Joey Bosa. And if and with Bosa being, you know, did not practice on Wednesday, Thursday at the time we're taping this, I'm really curious to see if they're going to do a limited practice and him be questionable on Friday. Um, or if he, if he's DMP again on Friday and then he's just out for the game. Like that, that's going to be such a massive blow because like he's he's their most reliable pass rusher in that front four, especially with the way the scheme is right now. And the Chargers, like you're like you're saying, the Chargers have a lot of speed in their back seven. It's not Ravens fast, but it's like it, it's better than most teams in terms of speed in the secondary and in the linebackers. But they want to play in zones and they want to play off and keep everything in front of them and keep you at the sticks or less and take away explosive plays. So they, they make offenses work down the field and hope they make a mistake. But what they what ended up happening, and this is what the Chiefs can just destroy them on if they if they have the right mentality, is running on uh, running at the ends. Like you run at the ends, man, you can you can gash them. Like then that's what the that's what the Cowboys did. They with Pollard and with Ezekiel Elliott, they just gashed them. Like this is a game that if you had McKinnon uh, working back there with Clyde. I think you could have a lot of a lot of fun at being able to get more than 100 yards rushing, but then also they don't cover the flats well. They really, really don't cover the flats well. Like you dumping down on the running back in the flats, it's easy conversions. You get seven, eight yards a pop, no matter what, just because of how you can space out there, the way you flood the middle of their field with some of the levels concepts and some and just stretching out the zones the way that they can. There's there's so many voids in there that Patrick Holmes and the Chiefs uh, receiving group can create to just relentlessly attack them and move downfield. So, I, I mean, I fully expect the Chargers to copy what the Ravens did and say, hey, we're taking Tyreek Hill away from you. But this is another week where the Chiefs uh, running backs and tight ends and the other receivers, the, the Pringles and Robinsons of the world and McCole Hardmans, that they can build off what they did last week against the Ravens. They could they can have themselves a pretty good day collectively. Yeah, well, you know, part of the issue, though, I think is, I mean, look, obviously you can double Tyreek and the Chiefs will have to figure out a way to get the ball in his hands more in that situation. Do they have anybody, though, that could do a better job um, defending Travis Kelsey one-on-one? Well, yeah, and stop me if you've heard this before, but Derwin James is on the injury list. Um, <laughs> he he missed practice on Wednesday with a toe. He did return full, but is James a guy who can neutralize um, Travis Kelsey a little bit better um, th- than the Ravens were able to 
and really put more of a, you know, put more of an, uh, of, of the game on those secondary players. Cause look, Clyde Edwards Hilaire has been in situations where he had opportunities to, to have dominant games. We haven't seen it. I mean, he, he had, a, he had that kind of game at the bills last year, I think, but I'm hard pressed to think of games where Clyde Edwards Hilaire has gotten, you know, a lot of touches and punished teams for it. Yeah. You know, I, I think the Chargers would be fine if, 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 if you know, if you're going to tell me you're going to run Clyde Edwards Hilaire at the ends and, and you're going to throw it to Clyde Edwards Hilaire out in space, and that's how the Chiefs are going to try to beat us, the Chargers would take that all day. Yeah. Well, there's there's one thing <laughs> they can they can do. They can release the McKinnon, not off the <laughs> roster, but like un, unleash him on the uh, on the uh, on the Chargers defense. We did. I'm telling McKinnon with his speed, he could he could wreck some people on there just just converting first after first to where they're like, you know, maybe we should start covering the flats. Kenan's done pretty well. Yeah. So I'm I'm hoping the I'm hoping they utilize McKinnon a lot more in the flats this week. And you, you really and here's the crazy thing, you don't have to like you could literally just pull a guard or pull pull a tackle and have a tight end come in and seal it off there and just do like a, a flare pass in the flats and it's like its own little miniature screen against them and like they won't stop it for a while they will at some point but not initially so i mean that's there for the taking and i'm really curious to see what the chiefs do in some of their empty sets because dude the ravens just could not handle a chief's empty set like they just left everything wide up and they're like do you want this you can have it you want that that's fine we just don't want to get beat, beat by tyreek so you take everything you want but i am curious to see how they can really stretch out the chargers with uh with what they're doing in terms of like i'm saying like you you kind of okay they want to do this with tyreek every time well we got this this and this route underneath that we can just wreck them on so and i am really curious to see how they're going to defend kelsey and if uh the chiefs can use a lot of crossing routes or or if there's some sneaky little tight end delays out in the flats that they can use for some for fortson or some of those things there's, there's just a lot of opportunities for the chiefs to really not only score on this Chargers team, but make it a comfortable game that they can win by 10 or win by 14. There's, there's opportunities for it. I think the chiefs also have a, a pretty significant advantage in the, in special teams. Like their punters got a big leg, but their coverage unit hasn't done a very good job oh, so far this year. Speaking of their returner, I saw him like, like literally when Jim Nance was on the broadcast and I watched a broadcast version of uh of uh of it he's like the charter special teams wasn't very good last year as the punt returners taking a punt inside the five without waving yeah. <laughs> like, well still don't have a fix yet <laughs> yeah no i think there's some you know there's some some hidden yards in the field position game that the chiefs can gain um you know if, if they play a clean game in special teams but uh, listen i at the end of the day player for player, the Chiefs are still the better football team and ought to win this game at home, you think, right? Correct. Yeah, they have the be they have the better roster or the I'm curious to see where the Chargers defense will be at at the end of the season, into this in the middle of next year. I'm curious right. to see if they if they're able to build that defense up to where it was before. But right now that Chargers defense, I, I just think with what they're doing zone wise, they're just, I think they're going to need a much better pass rush opposite Boza to take some attention away because he's really he's he's the only guy that they got right now that's really able to kind of routinely put pressure on the quarterback and and with as much as they're dropping the way that they are I'm, I'm just that guy's a 
that guy is a man on an island having to take care of a defense by himself when he shouldn't have to. And with him having the ankle and foot injury that he did there in the third quarter of the Dallas game, I, it didn't look good. Because I don't remember him coming back in the game after that. And for him to be DMP right now, I, uh, I don't, I, I would not surprise me if he didn't play this game, if it, especially if he's DMP on Friday. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to add, or is it prediction time, baby? All right, Todd, just do your predictions. Um, thirty-one twenty. Wow, Todd didn't have seventy-seven <laughs> nothing, dude. The tradition. Not, oh, you oh. think it's going to be seventy-seven nothing? No, I don't. I'm just hoping to get like a thirty-four twenty-four Chiefs win. That's all I'm hoping for. Um. But I will, I will say, did you see your old friend alert yesterday or a couple days ago? Um, would you be referring to uh, Dustin Colquitt being in a Falcons uniform? Yeah, on the practice squad. Right. Still, it's yeah. a it's a Falcons uniform. I'm uh, dude. That's impressive. Like, I mean, I, did they sign him as a backup quarterback though? No, I don't. I don't think that. that was... Well, I mean, remember he had so he had some plays, and yeah, their offense no. is struggling. So I don't. You know, I mean, I don't know what the Falcons are doing down there. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't know, but um, yeah, no, I don't. I don't think he's going to be quarterback. Well, that's disappointing. I know he was hoping to get to that point in his career where he'd finally get a shot because, you know, like the Chiefs never really gave him that opportunity, like with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes stuff like that. So was that something you and Dustin talked a lot about? <laughs> no, never. <laughs> I mean, I could lie right now, but you know, you know, if he's listening, then he would hunt me down. So I don't, I don't know. If he, I mean, I hope he listens, but I don't. I don't get the vibe that he did. <laughs> <laughs> well, he came on the show once. And maybe he listened to that one. I doubt it. He's got, he's got like five kids, man. Him and his wife right. don't have time for that. Yeah. They're busy chasing their kids around, taking them to practices, whatever they're doing, or their yeah. recitals or yeah, Sunday school. That music, you name it. Yeah. Did it all. All right, so you're saying 77 nothing. I said 3120. Literally never said that. <laughs> but I mean, if the Chiefs don't win this game, if the Chiefs struggle, is the fan base allowed to freak out then? I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm at the point where if that's something like that happened, I really don't want to look at my Twitter mentions anytime soon. Because <laughs> dude, after a Chiefs loss, like my Twitter mentions, man, people treat it like I have any say over the personnel decisions or coaching decisions. I get some people want to understand and I do my best that I can with what limited knowledge I have in terms of, you know, I don't get to see the playbook. I don't know what the assignments call are on every single thing right. in every single situation. Would I love to? Yeah, dude, making a million times easier, but I'm just going off basic principles of what I was taught and what I've learned over the years. So it just, I, you know, like they're like when that one individual asked me about if how many times Pat gets to audible versus how many times his thing is like, I don't know, man. Cause I don't, I don't know definitively what his audible call is. Like Peyton used to say Omaha, and apparently half the time it meant nothing. <laughs> like you know, yeah. from watching the Manning broadcast. So it just, I don't know, man. It um, I really hope they win because I don't want that in my Twitter mentions <laughs> for the week. Well, and you know who else? Like, I mean, you don't want to disappoint Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Um, you know, in, in a game like that. So, I mean, it'd be really sad for them to have to watch a Chiefs loss. Yeah, I mean, that would certainly be unfortunate. And, you know, Mahomes already blemished on his Mr. September record. Yeah, well, that's Chris Collinsworth's fault. I think we can all agree on that. So, all right. Well, uh, <laughs> it's been fun. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, we will uh, hopefully 
you will hear Nick's steak, you know, fork and steak knife playing around Saturday night as he enjoys another victory steak. But until then, take care, kids. You know, our guys have been down this road before. We were here in 2019. And then somewhere along the way, I know we went 16 points, 3 points, 3 points. I don't know what the other stats were, because, but I know what the points were. So that's what we want to do.